Hi, I'm Delphine Peace from the Contextual Safeguarding Team at the University of Bedfordshire. And today I'm speaking to Bex Roche, Practice Development Lead in South Kent, and Katie Batt, Early Health Unit Lead in South Kent. Over the past few months, South Kent have developed an adolescent pilot model, bringing together a multidisciplinary team to work with adolescents who present most concern to their caregivers and or professionals around extrafamilial risk. As part of this pilot, South Kent has applied contextual safeguarding approaches and integrated them within their science of safety framework. This represents an exciting new way for South Kent of working with adolescents and their families, and the pilot has already shown some clear signs of success. In this podcast, Bex and Katie will share with us key learning from this new approach. So welcome Bex and Katie. All Thank right. you very much for joining us for this podcast. You're welcome. Um, so first of all, could you tell us a bit more about the adolescent pilot? So the pilot began um, after our Ofsted, um, our good Ofsted uh, inspection, where um, Ofsted identified um, areas of um, improvement for us, and one was around adolescent risk and the way that we manage it across the districts. Obviously, Kent is a is a large authority, and we have we're split into twelve districts, so um, consistency is always um, potentially a challenge for us in in such a big authority, and, and Ofsted uh, highlighted that for us. So. Moving forward, we decided to pilot a adolescent risk model that could be replicated across the whole of the county, um, looking at, as you said, Delphine, the, the adolescents that are at most at risk of um, kind of that extrafamilial context. Um, so we started off looking at how we work now. Um, we had an arm panel, which was our adolescent risk management panel. Um, and again, being the size of Kent, there were issues around consistency in the way that we um, run them in each district. So we looked at um, how we would manage that in a multidisciplinary way, based in early health alongside our integrated um, social care colleagues, um, but looking in that multidisciplinary way and how we could target um, adolescents most at need or most at risk in a um, contextual way. Great, thank you. And how have you used contextual approaches to support the pilots so far? Well, um, we started off as signs of safety um, and we worked very hard at looking at trying to adapt signs of safety for our adolescent cohort um, and there was just something that was missing um, and we looked at designing um, perhaps or evolving signs of safety but actually it just didn't seem to fit in what we knew around adolescence and it, obviously being a strength-based approach it was, it was you know, it's the right model and it's the model of practice across Kent but we were trying or finding it hard um, to work or make it work for our kind of our, our high risk adolescent cohort. Um, so our um, head of service and also our head of youth justice went to a youth justice conference, and uh, I think uh, Carleen Furman was giving a presentation there, mm-hmm. and she said, "Oh, Beck's going to have a look at um, contextual safeguarding and see if it kind of works within the model." And actually, um, I spoke to my colleague Katie around it, and we looked at it, and it just kind of it slotted in nicely. Um, and <clears throat> where signs of safety is kind of our methodology of practice, um, we wanted to enable our workers to be able to really understand adolescent dynamics and adolescent development um, and contextual safeguarding just really kind of overlaid seamlessly with what we were trying to achieve um, and helping our workers understand um, risks but in context 
um, and breaking risks down into something that's kind of less scary. Mm. Um, and obviously signs of safety is a very strength-based approach, but it, it's quite conceptual. Um, and a lot of our workers um, kind of found that quite difficult, especially in the context of adolescence, because it can be so broad and so future-based. Right. Um, and obviously adolescents are, you know, in, in the here and now, they want instant mm. gratification. Mm. Um, so it just kind of rubbed against it slightly, but contextual safeguarding seemed to work really well um, and help our workers articulate what they were trying to achieve alongside our uh, young people understanding what we were trying to help them see yeah. um, in each context of mm. where they live and, and how they interact. And I think in terms of assessment, um, it really allowed workers to look at the specific contexts and compartmentalise the risk so the risk didn't seem overwhelming mm. um, and allow them to target their interventions and their work with partners around the risks but also the strengths in the specific context rather than adolescent risk as a whole and I think um, as an outcome of that that's actually built some resilience in the workforce um, and it allows them to work with the risks in context um, without being overwhelmed. Absolutely, and, and but working on the strengths and positives of the adolescence, but actually if that isn't working or that young person isn't ready to change at that point for lots of different reasons, you know, either kind of um, some attachment disorder or something biological around kind of ADHD or ASD, it helps us look at the context as in a sense of the environment and understanding that actually we can change the environment, yeah. and that's really powerful as well. So, you know... Um, and kind of looking at the social learning theory behind contextual safeguarding and understanding that two adolescents can be in exactly the same scenario, mm. but actually navigate that situation very differently. And that really resonated with me because we have a lot of groups um, that seem to interact in the same scenario, but actually their outcomes are very different. Some young people have, are much more vulnerable than others, and it's understanding how we work with those individuals because um, on the face of it they've gone through the same scenario and to get your head around being able to understand well actually that work you know that worker needs to focus on this piece of work for that young person and that worker needs to focus on that piece of work you know because understanding the dynamics of leaders and followers within a group how um, those kind of complicated factors using science and safety language impacts on that ability of that adolescent to navigate through their social fields because mm -hmm. it was kind of again a kind of a light bulb moment really and, and came in at the right time especially when we're thinking about peer groups um, and understanding adolescents within their groups and the importance of that um, that peer group to that adolescent and, and one of the examples I use all the time which I stole from um, the workshop that we went to was around the shoes and buying of the shoes for an adolescent you know you can go out on a Sunday buy a nice pair of shoes mm. they like it you like it everything's good come back on a Monday and they're in the bin Mm, yeah. <laughs> and it's just understanding that and that works quite well with our workers as well as using that, that real-time analogy to mm -hmm. help them understand um, and having that, uh, that language to use um, to be able to articulate what we want to do and how we want things to change has really kind of aligned really nicely with signs of safety because we were working very much on the use of language and not professionalising um, the way that we communicate with families and also the way that we write assessments and then contextual safeguarding gave us another kind of arm for our language to be able to understand peer groups, dynamics within the school, safety within context, understanding the difference between intent 
an opportunity. So, you know, all our young people want to be a little bit risky, mm. but if they never get the opportunity, then actually you can have as much intent as you like, but actually making a space safer reduces the risk for that young person without even that young person choosing to be different. Absolutely. And I think that's really powerful as well. And it's about that shared responsibility yeah. of making that space yeah. safer. I think some um, workers feel, um, certainly with, with young people that are um, assessed to be high risk, that actually that risk really sits with them and that can feel um, quite uncomfortable at times, but actually looking at the contextual pro approach of working with partners, that how is the local council going to support to keep a, a place safe? Can we get more lighting in there? Can we get some community wardens in? And it, it just takes that, um, that it shares that ownership of risk and I think that's something that's really important. Yeah. I think another... Um, Part of the approach that we've adopted in Kent, which has been really useful, is that peer mapping mm -hmm. and um, and peer assessment framework. Um, and we've done this with um, a couple of groups. We've identified a group of young females that we felt were were at risk in terms of exploitation um, and adding to that vulnerability with the, with the high level of alcohol use there. Um, there's also a, a group of mixed-gendered young people um, that the police brought to our attention in um, relation to their antisocial behaviour right. and the rate and the risk uh, related to that. Um, so what we did was to bring together a group of professionals who, um, who knew the young people and really map their networks, map their individual characteristics, identify who the leaders in that group were, who were the followers, who are the ones that are going to be more likely to um, be a potential for a bystander intervention, and understand um, the context around that in terms of whether they were at school, which school they were at, whether they were on a part-time timetable, and how that impacted the risk. So it really allowed us to understand the dynamics of the mm. peer group and what was kind of driving some of that, that antisocial behaviour and as such put together a multi-agency plan um, involving kind of licensing, involving um, the our police and the community um, safety unit, our early help workers, our social work colleagues and, and everyone took actions from that mapping um, and it allowed us to really create a plan around that peer group and being able to communicate with the families because they were very much, oh, I don't want this person associating with this person because all they do is get into trouble. Mm. And be sharing some of that um, knowledge around adolescence and, and actually that that fear of social isolation is worse than that fear of getting into trouble and sharing that so the families could understand more around that dynamic as well. Yeah, absolutely. And it kind of yeah. took us into that kind of um, really understanding of that relational-based intervention mm. and really identify who has good relationships with these young people mm. um, and takes us into that kind of that safeguarding is everybody's business because I think we've fallen into the trap in, in our county of safeguarding is everybody's responsibility to refer. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and I think absolutely. we were, because we have such a strong early help mm. um, presence in, in Kent and you know, we were very, we're very proactive, we link very closely with our partners, with our schools, but the offside of that or an unintentioned consequence is that everybody then becomes reliant, a service reliant on us to solve the issues. Mm -hmm, yes. And there's very much of a passing the buck culture or developing or potentially could develop a, a very much passing the buck culture. And what conceptual safeguarding has enabled us to do is to really have that 
that challenging critical conversation about okay so what are we going to do collectively mm. it's not just about referring in it's about what what's uh, you know what component parts do we all play within this kind of jigsaw um, and how do they knit together um, and really having that dialogue and conversation about okay so what we're going to do together mm. who has the best relationship regardless of the risk actually if we can support this young person yes we know that the risks are escalating and potentially if we, we overlaid that with a threshold we were looking at perhaps um, a social work intervention but actually they have a really good relationship with this early help worker or this open access worker which is what we call our youth workers um, and managing that collectively and having that collective responsibility of the risk allows us to really explore the relationship-based mm -hmm. interventions and particularly so when we're looking at peer groups because we've utilised the friendships within those mm -hmm. peer groups to enable us to intervene within that group. So if one particular person has a really strong relationship with a worker, we've kind of used that as a conduit into the whole group so that young person is then says, oh, well, they're all right, you know, come with me. Right. And we've started mm -hmm. to develop interventions together um, and there's a really nice example um, of two young people that developed a very kind of codependent relationship um, they went missing lots, um, they were getting into kind of county lines, trouble, um, the young person, one young person was looked after, <coughs> sorry, was adopted, and the other young person was kind of, um, kind of on the edge of care really because of the missing behaviour mm -hmm. and mum was just kind of holding her hands up going, I don't know what to do. So what could have happened, and, and before contextual safeguarding and before the pilot, what we would have done was work with those individuals separately. Mm -hmm. So they would have had their own social workers, they would have had their own early health worker, they would have, and yes, there would have been communication, of course there would have been, but it would have been via email. Um, it wouldn't have been as joined up as, mm -hmm. as just saying, right, actually, these two young people <coughs> are together, regardless of what we do, so let's intervene together let's mm. not fight against that that relationship mm. let's work it as a strength and an advantage um and you know had a really good outcome for one of the young people obviously one of the other young pe person was kind of you know coming to their journey in their own way but actually um it was a really good example of just just changing the focus slightly and and, and utilizing the language of contextual safeguarding to have that conversation with the social worker have a conversation with the police officer having those conversations with um, kind of the wider community to say this is what we're doing and why. Um, and so I think the use of language is, is kind of really enhanced because contextual mm. safeguarding, because we've been able to name it and people have been able to understand it um, and really, really help with that conversation of actually safeguarding is everybody's responsibility. Yes. It's not everybody's responsibility to refer, which mm. is where we were going and what we were struggling with. Of kind of becoming a victim of our own success really mm. within Kent because we had such a strong early help kind of presence or we do have quite a strong early health presence. And I think it's interesting Bex that you're talking about that communication um, with partner agencies and I think key to um, our success in terms of our integrated partnership working is we set up a weekly panel um, which um, had a multidisciplinary attendance, uh, we had early help, uh, children's social work services, our attendance and inclusion services, we had police representation, um, representation from our family group conferencing service, our um, local um, CAM service. I think that's early help. Yeah, so actually, on a um, on a weekly basis, um, we have cases referred into us from from um, many different agencies mm -hmm. uh, for young people who are considered. Um, 
to be a, a cause for concern and risk. And actually, we're able to share information um, that we that we know about those young people, create a hypothesis around what might be going on, and really look at, as Bex said, about who may be best to kind of make that relationship, or who has an existing relationship with that um, young person and family, and really create um, quite innovative plans around what we think mm. may maybe could be put in place to safeguard that young person or safeguard that context because also out of that panel um, we are able to identify kind of hot spots within the local community, right. be it a park, be it a bus mm. stop, that we know and that's that information's real time because we're having the police there um, each week um, so we're not finding out about it three months later and then trying to put intervention in when young people have moved on and as a result of that youth workers have been going out with police officers doing some detached work in those specific yeah. places um, so that's been something that's really enabled that communication and that creativity um, of planning in a multi-agency way. Absolutely and developing relationships with the multi-agency as well you know I think all of us <clears throat> within whatever organisation we're in would say oh yes now our partnership is brilliant you know mm -hmm. we really strive for partnership working but actually this has kind of even just catapulted us into this stratosphere of kind of where we never thought we would be because we would say you know before the pilot yeah our relationships are really good you know we, we communicate really well and but it's that that common language I think mm -hmm. you know and that's what we pulled in with signs of safety and that was the reason as, as an authority we we wanted to introduce signs of safety across the whole of our continuum from you know from fostering all the way down to, mm. to kind of universal open access and I think contextual safeguarding has added that next level or that next layer mm. but fits specifically around the adolescence mm. and utilising that that shared language has enabled everybody to buy into it and, and really see the benefit of it as well and I think you know true partnership working there has to be give and take yeah. um, in a sense that people have to because obviously we're you know we're in a kind of a world where you know we have our own KPIs and we have our own kind of way that we get our funding yeah. and actually what Science of Safety does is it enables us to develop that shared language where everybody can have a piece of something you know the police you know are very although they're, they're very they've changed in the way that they work with young people but actually you know they're, they're offence focused of course, yeah. and that's fine you know yeah. but this enables us to have that conversation mm -hmm. about dispersion disruption um, you know it, it allows us to kind of have that 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 um, that element that they have to, you know, tick their box for, and but we can have that in a very constructive way and utilize it in a language, but also weave in safeguarding and, and thinking about that young person as a young person, as an individual, mm -hmm. and then when they get to hear about the background of that young person, they might go, oh, that's why they react like that, or you know, so it's upskilling their knowledge mm -hmm. as well and their understanding of, you know, what it's like to be that young person, and personalizing interventions as well has been key. It's not just talking about a group, you know, a gang, you know, because I think we can utilize words you know words have power and I think and have different connotations within different organizations and different professions as well and to be able to to really develop a kind of that shared language has been a really good opportunity to be able to have that kind of professional challenge and really just understand each other a lot better because mm. I think when you understand somebody you may or may not agree but actually you're more likely to come to a consensus or at that shared goal mm. by being able to have the words to be able to kind of you know move conversations forward and I think it's it's worth reflecting that actually when we propose this multi-agency oh panel yeah. on a weekly basis across the partnerships yeah. um, there was a there were there were challenging conversations yeah. to be had yeah. um, 
just for the for the the time and the buy-in that yeah. is required from each of those yes. agent partnership yeah. agencies that we're asking for two hours of their time every week, and and that's that's a that's a big ask. Yeah. Um, but actually, they agreed to do that for a for a time bound um, um, period and. Because they saw the benefits mm. um, in terms of the police sort of benefits, we've had a reduction in ASB, we've had a reduction in missing, reduction in um, cases escalating to our colleagues in children's services. So there's been a real noticeable um, benefits for the agencies, and as such, um, that process continues, <laughs> and we continue to have that real multidisciplinary buy-in. And I think that that's a real key indicator. Yeah. For success, because if things aren't working, yeah, people don't partnerships come. tend to drop off, and I think Absolutely. that that's a real key indicator yeah. for success. Then that we're yeah. still going kind of uh, months later. Absolutely, brilliant. Thank you. Um, so Colleen and I had the pleasure of attending one of your panels and observing it, um, and it, it was really fascinating to see how you were working at the panel um, and really, really positive outcomes so far. Um, and so we, we had conversations with you and your colleagues um, about contextual safeguarding and how this fits within your work. Um, so what did you take away from these conversations? I think the, um, the most important thing was the creativity of it, that we're not stifled by what has been written down. And a, a good example of that is obviously your mapping. Um, when we look at that contextual mapping, mm -hmm. we decided actually it didn't quite fit for us because it was it was just very um, time consuming in a sense that there was a lot of information and, and a lot of you know our workers one of our things that our workers keep saying to us is we don't have a lot of time we don't do it like yeah. doing paperwork yeah. so we kind of put our heads together and thought actually because we use signs of safety and the contextual safeguarding spheres or um, Coiling the face fears, I don't know, what, but the circles. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, that actually, could we adapt that slightly in a sense that could we um, simplify it slightly by using the signs of safety language? So, what's what we worried about, what's working well, what needs to happen, um, and I'm thinking about complicated factors or what's making it harder to deal with. So, it's really just for me, it was around that. that say permission it's not permission but that that allowance of to be creative that actually flexible. nothing and flexible it's not stuck it's it's not this is how it needs to be delivered yeah. Yeah. the resources are amazing on the network um the passion and kind of the enthusiasm from both Carleen and yourself Delphine and, and just being available to us you know I've Absolutely. bugged you so many times and just sent you emails and it's been such an iterative yeah. I can say that word process um but so creative as well yeah. and, and so inspirational because it fits, doesn't it? And mm -hmm. I think our, our colleagues were just so inspired um, by this process and, and the freedom and the creativity and that, that almost co-production of, yeah, give it a go, see if it works mm -hmm. and, and, I think and try it out. That was a key message from Carleen for yeah. me on, mm -hmm. on, on the day that you came down to visit was actually it's an approach, it's not a model, it's not yeah. something yeah. that's so static and structured and this is the way mm -hmm. that it needs to be implemented. It's an approach that we can take the bits that fit, and we can overlay our existing practice, practice mm -hmm. framework on top of yes, that absolutely. and do what works. So for me, that was really interesting. And as a result of your visit, I know that certainly colleagues from the police and from Children's Social Work Services have both approached me about looking at a wider um, 
awareness raising of contextual safeguarding yeah. and um, to, to look at some practice development about that. So we're looking about doing a wider um, South Kent piece of work around um, inviting schools in to um, start recognising the approach um, and looking at it wider um, in those agencies that are always already involved in the pilot. So that's a really exciting piece of work going forward. Yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. No, it's been, it's been brilliant. Great. Well, thank you so much. It's really great to see local authorities taking on what we developed, taking on tools and adapting it to their context and making it work. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. 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 Thank you.